atmosphere is changing now For the Spirit of the Lord is here The evidence is all around That the Spirit of the Lord is here It's good to be back in... Missouri. I was going to say North Dakota. It looks like it out there today. Uh, we just got away from the snow to come down here and have some more snow. But uh, God is good. How many know God's presence is just moving, doing what it wants to do? It's kind of who he is. It's kind of the way he operates. You know, this morning, um, uh, if you have your Bible, I'm looking at Ephesians, but as you're, as you're turning there, Ephesians 6 and verse 11 uh, a couple things just kind of update. Uh, God is beginning to open up different doors where we're at right now. Uh, we, just over the last month, in fact, for quite a while, the Lord has been uh, telling me, because I get hyper at sometimes, and he just tells me, like, relax. And not quite yet. Just hold on. And there's other times when I was young, I just run out there and try to do all kinds of stuff, and I get frustrated because it didn't work. And then finally, the Lord started telling me, the time's here. And I told him on that Sunday, I said, if it's here, start doing something today. And he said, okay. And I said, whoa, it worked. You know, and uh, so I went to church. And uh, what happened is, is that uh, just that day, doors begin to open. Uh, we, we have uh, a couple different ones who are starting to come now that God has brought there to us to t- connect with us. Uh, one, uh, hopefully I'll bring him down with me sometime. Uh, his name is George Goodleft. Um, he is uh, part Sioux, part from Jackie's tribe, a Rickera. And uh, he's just, he, I remember his dad years ago was an evangelist. His dad was a big man. He'd be singing. He didn't need a microphone. He had such a loud voice. And uh, this young man has a, has a call of God on his life as an evangelist. And he's come and he said, this is where I'm supposed to be. I want you to help mentor me. I want you to help start working with me. Uh, and I've had other young couples come who are very evangelistic. In fact, while we're gone this Sunday, we usually have church impartial, but we, we don't this Sunday. But I've got about three families going to a neighboring town, White Shield, and they're passing out flyers because we're starting a Sunday night in White Shield starting next Sunday. And they're just going to visit family and friends, and, and it's just in them. They're like, we're ready to do it. There's nothing here. And uh, so we, we also, so we, we've got the partial in the morning Sunday. We got, we'll have White Shield at, in the evening. And then Newtown, we started a Bible study on, at the college um, on Wednesday nights. And we just started that. And we had about 12 different ones already coming to that. Um, and uh, you know what? God is getting people stirred up where they're getting, we're, we're having people who come that aren't just, hungry to know the Lord, but they're hungry for what church is supposed to be that they've never seen, but they want to see it. They're hungry for somewhere where people can come and people can just love them. And, and they're hungry for a relational church. They just don't know how to say it yet. And so as we begin to talk to them, even, a, even the different, the last several services and even our Bible study this last Wednesday, uh, you know what, there's something getting excited on the inside of them. And I said, what would it look like if we just, us, this group here today, just start acting like a church and start loving people and bringing them in? What would it look like? 
And they begin to get excited. They begin to have things come out of them. And they begin to uh, get excited about doing the outreaches in White Shield. And, and they're in Newtown. And, and uh, there's, there's several churches around, but there's so many churches that have been dry for years and they're not finding life. And so new believers are getting saved and they go to these churches and they're not finding what they're looking for. And, uh, and now you've never seen a, a really dry, staunch church. North Dakota is about the most I've ever seen sometimes. Those old German churches, wow. Uh, there's a couple of them by us. They lock their door when it's time to start. And if you ain't there, then you ain't coming. Because you ought to be more spiritual enough to be here on time. There are some rough ones like that. And uh, so uh, it's a, a relational church. Uh, they've had ones who've come in who've been intoxicated, and they're like, you got to leave. We don't believe in that. And I was like, send them to me. I will take all your drunk your drug addicts, your meth addicts, bring them into church because you never know what God can do. You never know what God can do. You know, I've watched people sober up in church service over the years, and I've watched them get saved, and I've watched them live different lives. And so we're excited about what God's doing and, and looking forward to some different things, and, and uh, things are, are changing with us too, and even job situations look like they're going to start changing. And, and, uh, but you know what? God is God. And there's some real things there. And, and today, even as I come here today, I want to talk a little bit about warfare because I believe that one of the things that uh, some of the stuff God has been walking us through, and even as he's talked to me about Kirkshire, there's some things about warfare where we have to get serious about or we're going to miss it. In fact, when I was praying about things here uh, even a week or two ago, I began to ask the Lord things, and he began to tell me, he said, he said, you know, the church, he says, my church as a whole does many things right. They win several battles. And he says, but my church as a whole loses many battles too. And he says, but it's not meant to. It's supposed to win them. And it began to get my attention. Um, here, I tell you what, we have missed everybody here. We have missed the church more than people understand. Uh, when Glenn was out doing the mission field stuff, he would say that, and it's like, oh yeah, but you know what, not everybody understands that. <laughs> you know, they, in North Dakota, it's, it, it's the, the whole culture is almost a culture of isolation. Um, and it didn't used to be like that years back, as bad as it's getting now. But uh, to have friends and family and ones who know the Lord that you can walk in the middle of them and have fellowship and do things and, uh, is so refreshing. To have ones you run into that are brothers and sisters in Christ uh, is refreshing. You know, uh, there's something just wonderful about it. And when you're starting something new and there's not a whole lot around there, sometimes, boy, it's, I'm like, Lord, and, and I'm just starting to see him now. I mean, we've got, which this is interesting, uh, we've got uh, quite a mix, and God does, does, does what he wants to do. We had one truck driver come into church one Sunday, and he's, he's a, a black guy is about two, three inches taller than me. He's a big, he looks like he could be big and mean, but when he talks, he's just a kid. He's just a young guy, you know. But he looks like he could be something. And um, he come in, and all he did is come and sat in, sat in church, and he cried the whole service. And he cried and he cried, and apparently he, he'd been married and separated from his wife for a couple years, and she passed away. And so he was in church broken. And I talked to him. I said, it's been a long time. He said, I've been far from God. And I was looking for a church to come to today because I need to get things right. You know, we come to church, and his name is Juan. 
His name is Juan. He's a black guy from Louisiana. <laughs> so, and then we've, we've, got, we've got some different ones who are coming who are Hispanic. We've got a, a man and his wife, uh, Andy Sanchez, and new believers who are evangelistic, and they're excited. They're, man, we want to go out and tell people about the Lord. Time is short. I'm like, that's great. Come with us. <laughs> we'll use you too, you know, and I'm finding some different things, and there's starting to be life where there wasn't been any life. There's starting to be life. There's ones who have been getting saved. I've been watching my nephew, uh, Zach, who comes up here. His younger brother, Daniel, has gave his heart to the Lord, and there's something just changed. Every time I see him, his whole countenance has changed. There's something real going on in the inside of him, and he's just there, and he's eating up the Word of God, and, and we're watching different ones come, and and, and one's touching things, but we see that we're on the brink of things beginning to open up. And in the middle of this, and even coming to this, there is, it, is, it is more apparent to me now than, than even being sometimes in a place where you're surrounded by so many brothers and sisters, is there's a real battle that goes on all the time. And that enemy we serve, he doesn't take a break. Now, we don't serve, no, sorry, you're right. Thank you, Chelsea. We don't serve him. Well, if you do, we'll have an altar afterwards. There might be some. But the enemy that we, that, that we, we war against, he doesn't ever take a break. He doesn't quit. We have a God who never quits, but we have an enemy who doesn't quit. And the deciding factor in that war has a lot to do with me, with you, with us. Because what happens is, is that when I'm in that battle, I have to remember that the Lord is with me every day if I'm going to win that battle. But it's somewhere, if I just decide I'm going to take a break. Anybody ever do that? Take a spiritual hiatus? I'm going to take a spiritual break from God because I'm angry, mad, crying, whatever it is, you know. Boo-hoo. Anybody go through those times? Poor me. And we take that spiritual break the enemy doesn't say, oh, good, I don't have to worry about them. He says, good, here's my chance to kill them. Here's my chance to steal more from them, to hurt them in a way they've never known hurt before. The enemy we have is not an enemy of any honor. He is a deceptive snake that one day will be destroyed. But we have a God who is bigger. And, and in that, I want to read a couple verses and start out here this morning. There's a couple things I want to look at. Um, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11, it tells us, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take the whole armor of God. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3, it says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. Listen, that enemy is real, and the battle is real. And what happens so many times is that we get caught in a place where we get distracted, we get caught in a place where all of a sudden we're not focusing on the battle. Understand that when I become born again, when I walk, in, I walk out of darkness and I walk into that light, there's a battle that's raging and going on. That battle's to kill me, to kill my family, to kill my children, to kill my inheritance in Christ. That battle is to take everything I have. But somehow we get in a place where we forget about all that and we just go about our days 
oh hum, what you doing today? I'm fishing. Fishing is spiritual, but God's got to be there. Uh, I'm doing whatever. I'm doing my thing. I'm forgetting. There's a spiritual battle. And what happens is, is that sometimes we get so comfortable walking in flesh and blood that we forget we're not supposed to be just in the flesh and blood. There's a part of us that's supposed to be in this spiritual battle. We're part of the battle. Either we're part of the battle or we're getting ran over. That's usually about how it works. I remember years ago when I was in Bible college, I heard a prophecy of a gal, and it, it shook me, and I taped it, and it, it did something to me. It did something to my, to, I've got that tape at home yet. In fact, it's old enough I've got to find something to play it on. Um, but, and it's all, in fact, I, I seen it a while ago. The label's coming off of it. It's looking old. But this gal got up, and God gave her word, and she said she began to see, it's like God took her up above the earth, and she could see a battle going on across the whole face of the earth. And she could see the enemy fighting against God's children. And she said she's seen very, it's like every once in a while there was a child of God standing and winning. Here, over there, over there. But they were, they were few and far, but they were spread out. And she asked the Lord, Lord, how come there's only a few standing? He says, those are the ones who know how to pray. Those are the ones who know how to touch my spirit. They're the ones who are winning. Listen, there's part of touching his spirit in new ways. There's part of touching that, that if we don't do that and we just go about our day, because sometimes we get in the comfortable Christian mentality, I am blessed, I am blessed. You know that old song? I might be older than some know. You know, Every day of my life I'm blessed. The honor of God just follows me. The favor of God follows me. I float through the air from one destination to the next. But understand, we're in a battle. We're in a battle, and it continues. And there's something about it that when we win some battles, that's great. But I'm telling you, there's battles all around us that the church has not took over and won yet. There's a battle of addiction in this, in this county that no church has beat yet. Because I don't see any church going in and pulling addicts out of the fire and pulling them into the kingdom and seeing a, a floodgate begin to open. But isn't that what our God does? Isn't that who he is? He opens up doors that have never been opened. He sets the captives free. That's part of who he is. And so there's something about that battle that I believe in the days ahead, I was talking to Glenn about that, and I, I believe that in the days ahead, we've got to be more keen about what's really going on around us. Yes, and when we're in a war, there's something that happens and should happen to our mentality. Our mentality, everything about everything changes when you're in a battle, when you're in a war. Uh, World War I and World War II uh, were quite the wars. You know what? As a country, everything changed in our country during times of war. Everything changed. Young men were sent to battle, ones who were, who were spouses, ones who were fathers, Factories were full of women who were working to cover for what men had to be doing in the battle. Everything, everything, every channel, every, every, all three channels back then. <laughs> all three. 
Did nothing but what? Talk about the war. Talk about the war. Talk about the war. Talk about the battle. Talk about where we are on resources. Talk about how we're helping over there. Talk about what's going on. Talk about what everything else. But somehow when we're in this Christian battle, we get in a place and we begin to leave the battle behind and we just decide we're going to just be. And what happens is we begin to let our guard down and we just begin to walk through life. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in places where we're losing things that we should be winning. We're losing ones in our family that we should be winning. We're losing friends that we should be winning. We're losing things. Why? Because our, we have a real enemy, and he don't quit. He knows he's here for the battle. He ain't here to play house. He's here for the battle. And there's something where, where even their whole identity begin to change. I want to read a quote, and... It might not be a spiritual one, but it's a true one. Um, there's a lot of truth to it. Uh, anybody ever read The Art of War? Did you? All right, there's some good stuff in there. You know, it's not a marriage and family book at all. It is not a marriage and family book. But anyways, it's written by Sun Tzu, and I want to read a statement that he has in there because uh, there, there's something amazing in it. It says, If you know your enemy and you know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself but not your enemy, for every victory gained, you will suffer a defeat. If you know neither yourself, neither your enemy or yourself, you will succumb in every battle. Listen, that's what I want to talk about today. There's something about that, that if you're going to win the battle against the enemy, first you need to know who you are in Christ. If you don't know who you are in Christ, you're dead meat. And if you don't begin to understand how the enemy is and how he operates, you're in the, you're, for every battle you win, you're going to lose one. I don't know how many times uh, in, in my life and, and, and watching as part of the church is that there's times where we can win a battle, but then we'll go later and we'll lose a battle. And then we'll begin to win a battle, and then we'll lose a battle. Why? Because we're not paying attention to what the enemy is actually doing and how he operates. See, there is a war going on, and it's a battle, and that battle, if he can get you to do nothing and, and win and lose everyone, guess what? You ain't won nothing. It's not enough for me to go to heaven and my wife to go to heaven. I want to see my daughter there. I want to see my grandchild there. I want to see my friends there. I want to see my neighbors there. It ain't enough for me. Why? Because we're here to win it. We represent Christ, and Christ did not come to be defeated. Christ come to win. He laid down his life to win. That's how he laid down. He said, why? Because the glory set before him. He endured the cross. He looked before him and he said, I'm going to win and I'm taking my people with me. I'm going to lay my life down. No one's going to stop me. I'm going to walk in there myself. But I'm going to lay it down. And there's something about the battle that, 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 that we, I want to talk about, first I want to talk about ourselves. You know what? We need, to know, we need to know who we are. We need to know that we're a child of God. We need to know that we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. We need to know some things about who we are. Uh, too many times we go into different things and, and we begin to forget who we are. We get into workplaces and we begin to forget who we are. In my workplace, I am not a dispatcher. I am not 
uh, in any kind of position. Who I am in my workplace is still Damon, a child of the living God. I'm Damon who has the spirit of Christ on the inside of me. The same spirit who rose him from the dead is still on the inside of me. That same spirit is in that place. And so when I walk in that place, there's no one more powerful in my workplace than I am. Not because I'm, a, not because I'm strong. Not because I'm skinny. I'm liking the skinny part. Just getting nicer. But because the Christ is in me. And something begins to change. And when I'm there, instead of getting caught up walking in flesh and blood, somewhere God put me in the workplace, what? To win a spiritual battle in that workplace, not just to take a time out and, and earn a paycheck. I'm earning my paycheck now, Jesus. I'll be back later. There's a place where I'm there to win something. There's a place where I'm there to influence, to change, to do things there. But we have to know who we are. We need to know what our purpose is. We need to know our purpose in the body of Christ. Listen, I don't know how many believers get waylaid and get killed in the battle because they start chasing something that God had never said. Here's the great thing about Glenn. Glenn's purpose ain't to preach. It's to be a child of the king. Amen. Mine ain't to preach. Do I do it sometimes? Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm not getting to heaven by preaching. I'm getting to heaven because I'm a child of God. I've been saved by the king. And he pulled me out of a pit and put me on a rock. That's why. And there's something about it where you've got to come back to your roots and know who you are in Christ. It's not about a position. It's not about anything. The great thing is that John's purpose in life is not a guitar. It's a child of a king. And when you begin to know who you are, it begins to change something about what's going on. It doesn't get to be about everything else. It, there, there, um, there's so many places that I've watched this happen where people get caught up and, and they, ha they have no idea what their identity is. They have no idea what God's plan for their life is. You know, God will put you in tough situations, not so you can flake out of them, but so you can stick it through. I love that about God. Not except when I'm going through it, then I don't like it. God has given me some bosses sometimes. He's given me one now that I, I've got to bite my tongue and, and try not to be mean because it's an effort. Um, and, and, there, and God said, I put him here for a reason. I was like, I'm not seeing it yet. He's like, you will. <laughs> you will. And I'm like, okay, if you say so, Lord. And he will. It'll come. God will put you in different things. And, and I, here's what I believe on purpose. is sometimes that when we get off base, God will put things in our life to begin to reroute our identity. Because God will look at us and says, that's not your identity. Your identity ain't to preach. Your identity ain't to sing. Your identity ain't to do that. It's not to play guitar. Your identity isn't to do this. You're messed up. I got to change things around because somewhere you've forgotten who you are. And if you want to get killed in a battle and want to see your kids get killed in a battle, just get in that place where you forget who you are and the enemy will take everything he can take from you in that moment. There is nothing in me that has ever ran to the place of being a preacher or a pastor or apostolic stuff. There's just, I'm like, that just looks like a whole lot of, it's like a moving target is what I become. People take shots at targets. 
you know, and I like shooting targets myself. And, uh, but who are you really? What are you supposed to be doing? Because here's the truth. I can tell people about Jesus without preaching. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. I can do all kinds of stuff without ever coming in the church building. Why? Because I'm a child of the king. People get caught up in being a child of, of, of a house sometimes or a child of a group, and they forget they're child of the king. They get caught in the petty-minded stuff, and while you're doing that, at the same time, the enemy's attacking your, your sons and your daughters. Your enemy's attacking your neighbors and everything else. The ones who are getting beat up are other ones while you're here wrestling this thing that shouldn't even be wrestled. Why do we wrestle those? Listen, if we don't know who we are, we're in trouble. If we don't know who we are, if my identity is preaching and I lose my voice, then I should just as well die, right? Or maybe there's more than my voice. Maybe there's more than that. You know, there has to be something where we come into that place with God and we begin to realize that, that he is God, See, God will take us through all kinds of things. He'll do all kinds of things to us and with us and through us. But somewhere when our identity is messed up, I believe that's when God begins to bring us into growing pains. Nobody likes growing pains. I don't. Because they hurt. No one likes hardship because it hurts. I tell you what, Glenn, I've had times... The last maybe four months, I've had a couple times where the enemy has hit me every direction he can. I've had people, I mean, just literally come after me verbally. I'm getting you fired. I'm getting you. Guys who have the power to do it. And usually I just kind of laugh and I'll say, good luck with that. You have a wonderful day. Yeah, well, and I kind of do that because I, I do it on purpose. I irritate them even worse. You know, you can, you can kill someone with kindness. Did you know that? It works. Um, and uh, I've had other things going on like that, and I've had some things that up there, while we've been up there, I've almost been killed by a propane tank that busted my leg and almost squashed me. You know, I've had times where, uh, I had this last week where I watched this, and it was crazy, Glenn, and began to pray against it, but I watched when I left work a couple times, I had two or three guys following me everywhere I went. And I was like, I, I'm, I'm not ever um, nervous about stuff. I mean, it's not who I am by my nature. In fact, sometimes Jackie will say, did you see that? I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Something happened? Well, a bus just went by, so I must have missed it. You know? But I had it going on, and then I had a guy follow me in his pickup. And they were, there was something, and God began to pop up flags, and he said, don't, don't go that way. Do something different today. And I was like, what? That's crazy. But you know what it is? There's forces in heavenly places, spiritual darkness that doesn't want to let go of stuff yet. And if, I can, if he can come and begin to attack and come against, he'll do it. Because there's something about it where he, that, those dark forces want to take every person you know straight to hell. That's their goal in life. Is they want to rule this world, not God. They want to destroy it. And without Christian people who stand in the gap and do something, that's what happens. And we need to know who we are in Christ. We need to get past things. And so many, I watch so many different things, and I'm going to throw that one out too. And sometimes we, how, oh, excuse me. 
My allergies are just getting me good here today. I thought it would get better down here, but it didn't. But if the enemy can get us caught up in different things, he'll do it. He'll do it. He'll get us pulled away. In fact, that second one I want to talk about is knowing our enemy. Let's look at Peter chapter, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, Be sober and vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Listen, understand that he is walking and he is roaring and he's looking for something to devour. That's his job. That's his job. And somewhere, even today as I talk about stuff, I'm talking about it straight because somewhere we've got to be careful that we don't get caught up trying to do little church things and we don't get our eyes off of what the battle's really about. Sometimes we get caught up in little things that even are spiritual, but they're a distraction from what the battle's about. They get in the way. Um, In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, For to this end I also wrote that you that I might put you to the test whether you are obedient in all things. Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For indeed I have forgiven anything. I have forgiven the one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Lest Satan take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. One of the things about the enemy, and I'm going to come back to this verse, is, is we are supposed to understand who he is and how he works. And so many times we don't. So many times there's Christians who've been Christians for 10, 12 years who the enemy throws out one of his B games. He doesn't even throw his A game out there. He throws out a flunky demon, and they take us out. You know, he throws out just something little, and he begin, it begins to mess with us. He does something where, here's the truth. If you've known the Lord for any time and have intimacy, you have no right being offended, but so many believers get offended all the time. And what happens is they become devil food. Because Satan has the right to enter your life, to mess with you, your kids, your family, your future. He has the right that God will not take away from him when you walk in offense. Why? Because it's sin. In fact, God says, you will not enter into my heaven with that in your heart. Period. God said, I will not have demonic ways in my heaven. And if, it's, if that's what you're serving instead of me, you will not enter. He's pretty strict on that. He does, it, he does in fact, that offense is one of the few things that he'll play with. But little things will come out. And what happens is, is the enemy will use, I want to go through three quick things the enemy does that he'll use against us. One is he'll use this, uh, deception, and offense is a deception. When you think you have the right to be offended at somebody and pouting and crying, and, and running your mouth at him and doing all that, you're in sin. You're not in God. I don't know how many times I've watched people say this. Well, you did this, brother, and so the Lord said, I'm not going by you no more, ever. I quit, and I don't like you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thus says the Lord. They'll even talk as spiritual. That's a devil. That ain't the Lord. Because here's what the Lord says. Here's, you know what he told us when we went up there? His biggest thing, because I was like, man, that's cool, God. That's cool. I like what you're saying there. And God, God told me, he says, you know, why, you know why nothing's been built there yet? I said, why? He said, no one's been willing to come there and die. And he says, you're going to go there and you're going to lay your life down. And you're going to die in ways you've never known. I'm like, well, I don't like that one. 
can I just go there and have anointing time? <laughs> Revival fest? You know, can we just have an anointing move of God? God said, well, how about we die? We'll start there. Don't think you're going you're gonna to be like Jesus if you ain't willing to be like Jesus. And here's what Jesus said, I'm going to die. Guess what I'm calling you to? You're going to die. You want your marriage to work? You're going to die to some of that stuff you're carrying. You want things to work with your kids? Then you're going to die to some of that stuff. That's some of that stuff where you get to me get so mad you want to choke them. God says start dying to that and get into the place where you learn how to fight a spiritual battle instead of fighting this secular battle all the time. You want to get along with other believers and have real relationships? You're going to die. You're going to die. Glenn and I have been friends since I've been 19 years old. When we were friends, Glenn had to die more than I did because he had to put up with me. Glenn's like, oh, man. I remember going to pastor's meetings and afterwards, Glenn, Glenn, during the meeting, I look at Glenn and, he, and I'd be talking, Glenn would be going, oh, no. Oh, oh. And after a meeting, he's like, okay, you didn't have to say that. Um, you know, but it was true. He's like, but you didn't have to say it. <laughs> you know, you could still love them without killing them in that meeting because now you got guys wanting to kill you. Uh, you need to guard your mouth. I'm like, but I'm right. And Glenn's like, all right, Lord, help me be his friend. <laughs> That's just the way it works. Hey, if you want deep relationship, then guess what? You're going to have to have, you're going to have to do something. There's something about that, that Christ had relationships with his, when he brought those 12 in that place, he had a relationship with them. And that relationship was a very real, very deep one. And when you watch how Jesus talks to Peter sometimes, it wasn't so nice. A couple times he says, where's your faith? When I come back, will I even find faith? And he wasn't saying that very nice, like, oh, where's your faith? He was saying that very stern. You know, when he said, Peter, you're going to deny me. And Satan has asked for the right to sift you like wheat. But that word asked means asked because he has permission already. Satan has the right to sift you as wheat because how you've been acting. But when you come back from messing up, I'm praying that you're going to encourage your brothers. It took some dying for Peter to be Jesus' friend too because Peter had a ton of pride, a lot of pride. He could have walked away from Jesus and said, no man's talking to me that way. I don't care if he thinks he's God or not. Who does he think he is? The creator, oh, well, he still can't talk to me that way. In fact, why did they kill Jesus? Because they couldn't stand the words that came out of his mouth. The religious people who weren't willing to change and humble themselves before God turned on him with a passion to the point of killing him. Why? Because they didn't have that spiritual life of God on the inside. Listen, there's something about that, that if we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. Amen. And we have to be careful we don't get into deception. It's a deception to think it's okay to have only groups in church, certain groups here and there. That's a deception. You can only be part of so many different things, but if you're part of any kind of walls, you're in deception. Because that's the walls have to do with what? With the demonic thing, not a God thing. In heaven, there is not walls. 
You're not going to have walls for the Baptist. Up there we got congregational. Yeah, but they're only 20 years from going out because most of them are almost out now. There ain't no congregational heaven. There's only the heaven that belongs to our Father of us all. There's, there will be a congregational trust fund left behind that keeps some things going. But that's about it. <laughs> Actually, even as I joke about them, we've made friends with some of the congregational groups, and it's been great. We came to their, their annual picnic, and they all had a big, all the churches across the res all came together. All 20, 30 of them. <laughs> and, but you know what? We just made contact because there's people who are trying to serve God. They just don't know what to do. But they're trying, and it's opened up doors. In fact, they were asking Jackie if she wanted to come and start preaching at their church in Newtown because they need a preacher. But she said, I'm too busy right now. <laughs> so, but there's always a deception. And understand that anytime you see deception, there's an enemy working. Anytime you see deception, there's an enemy working. Um, I don't ever hardly talk about politics. When you see some of the stuff that comes out of politics, there is such a deception behind them that they are demonic. It's, I mean, it ain't even close. It's demonic. Recognize what that is. I, I know I was joking, Jackie. I said they need to change the liberal party's name to the bondage party because it gets into everything else except God. And it promotes everything that isn't God, and it throws the name of Jesus in the dirt and stands on it. And that's the spirit of what? Antichrist is what our, my Bible says. There's a spirit driven behind there. And understand that when you go through your day, there's some things that you're fighting, and some of that thing you're fighting, you're fighting because you're a Christian, and someone in you has something, and they can't stand the fact that you're serving Christ. They can't stand it. I've run into a couple people who cannot stand the fact that I'm a preacher. Angers them. And you know how they know me from the past? They don't. They don't even know who I am. I just anger them. But there's a different spirit dwelling on the inside of them than is on the inside of me. And I'm not fighting them. I'll be good to them. I'll love them. I'll pray for them. I'm going to win the battle spiritually. I'm not going to physically go over there and try to have it out. But spiritually, I'll touch that. And you know what? They're going to lose. Here's what I found about Jesus. I can't beat him. He's too big. Other people ain't found that yet. Eventually they will. That's, that's my prayer. God, show them how big you are. Let them run into you so hard it knocks them off their feet. Let them know that you're God and there's none like you. See, there's a spiritual battle that we're, we're supposed to be fighting. The enemy's real. The second way he tries to do is he tries to distract us. He takes our focus off of fighting the good fight and gets us fighting something else. Sometimes it's just the cares of this world. You know, sometimes he gets us so busy doing things that, that, uh, that are just, even can be good things sometimes. You know, I've got to do all these other things. I've got all this other stuff that I've got to do. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And, and uh, I've watched things like that, and, and people get, begin to get so distracted, and they forget that they're actually fighting a battle. They're chasing something else, and they're getting beat up, and they're losing and now here's the important part of that as I talk about this as a church is that if everybody's distracted going their own directions, tell me where is the unity in Christ? 
Tell me, where is the power that comes as believers begin to come together and begin to lock arms together and say, we're going to begin to walk kingdom. We're going to begin to take back what the enemy has taken in this place. See, God didn't put us here to be a comfortable church or a comfortable people. God, when he brought his people into the promised land, what he did is, I brought you in here to learn how to fight and how to win. And there's some that I'm leaving alone right there because I want the next generation to grow up and be a bunch of sissies. I want them to go over and learn how to fight a battle and win too. I want them to know what it is to win battles, not just come into something for nothing. And too many times we, we almost teach at Christianity, that we come into his goodness. Whew, I made it. I've got my seat. I'll be in heaven one day. You know, even when people say this thing about, I can't wait till heaven comes, I'm so sick of this earth. Sometimes what happens is, is they're, they're getting distracted. They're forgetting why they're here. The apostle Paul said God gave him, was, was giving him a choice whether he could, he could go to glory for his benefit or he would stay for the benefit of others. He said, I'm going to stay for the benefit of others right now. Why? Because there's a battle going on, and there's some things that got to get done here on earth yet. It's good that I'm okay. It's good that I'll know him, and I'll be in, in that place of glory, and I can't wait because there's a part where I want to meet Jesus face to face with nothing blocking me and see who he is. I want to worship him in his presence, but at the same time, there's something where we're here on earth to do something and make a difference, not just go about our way. See, the cares of earth get old. And they lead to nothing. How many Christians don't walk in unity because the cares of the earth come in? A lot. Because here's the thing. One, it says one believer can put 1,000 to flight. Two can put 10,000. How many do we have here today? Then my, my second deal is... If we all walk in unity, this place would shake. Not by our might, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. There'd be open doors into addictions that people would be set free. Not come in and have to go through rehab and everything else. I'm not against that stuff. I'm just telling you there's a place where God is bigger than that stuff. So what does the enemy do? Cause division. If there's division in a body, Satan's at the bottom of it every time. Well, no, it's that person. It's that chickenilly. Well, he always gives me a hard time. Gets on my nerve all the time. If it wasn't for chickenilly, in fact, if he don't leave soon, I'm going to another church. You, that's called a sissy Christian. I changed it from a baby to a sissy because I know some tough babies. I want to put them in the same group. <laughs> we have someone's bias right now who are babies, but they're tough babies. They're tough, and they're ready to go out and start telling people about Jesus. They're already doing it. They're ready to go out and start doing something. They're already doing it, and they're just babes, but they're ready. Why? Because they're not deceived into that place where they think they've got to be so, some, so spiritual to do those things. They're not shooting or gunning for a position in some kind of church. There's something burning in their heart about that relationship with Jesus where it's like, I know Jesus, but my family don't know him yet, and they need to because he could come, and I don't want my family to miss out. There's something new and fresh on the inside of them. That's the way it should be. And if we don't learn how to recognize the enemy, the enemy will have his way. 
See, a thief, thieves will come, but when you catch them, it's payday on their part. It says a thief will pay tenfold over. Sometimes we need to catch the thief instead of just making excuses and blaming other people for the thieving. Amen? There should be no division in the body of Christ. In this body or with other bodies, there shouldn't be a division. A division means Satan is winning that battle, not God's. And you say, well, some divisions, no, it ain't. It's Satan winning something. He's winning a battle, not God. Because why? We're not keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. You know what happened when Peter told Jesus something? He said, hey, well, what about them? Because Jesus had one of them Peter talks. You know, he had those ones with him like, do you really love me? Yeah, you need to feed my sheep. Do you really love me? <laughs> and Peter got offended. And, and later on, when, when, when Peter had a conversation with Jesus, he said, well, what about, what about John? And Peter's response is, don't worry about John. I'm talking to you. What would it be like if we just all listened to him? Well, what about Todd? He gets away with that. I want to do what Todd does. Todd don't get away with nothing. Terry watches him like a hawk. No. No, he knows what it is to walk with the Lord. But that's what we do. We get our eyes on people instead of eyes on him. You know, what, what about this? What about that? What if we had someone who could do this better or someone who could do that better? We focus on performance. We focus on other things, but somewhere we've got to get back to the spot of stepping into the spirit and focusing on God. Yeah, our worship team right now is Jackie. She's doing good. But sometimes she wishes she had an old band with her, you know. But you know what that is? A band? It's just a band. Understand People are still getting saved. Lives are still getting changed. Things are still getting redeemed in people with one guitar and one voice. Maybe it ain't about performance. Maybe it's about God. Oh, what an epiphany. You know, maybe, you know, and, and sometimes I've been out there preaching and do this uh, couple of uh, my surgery and recovering from that and then my broken leg and recovering from that. There's sometimes I'm like, dear Lord, I hope I make sense today because I'm not here all the way. I'm dying. And I'll have all the ones come and say, that's the best word of God I ever heard. And I'm like, really? I thought it was pretty dry myself. You know, and they'll come and they'll have something or they'll get saved. Or I have a service where we had that, that guy, Juan, came in. Started that service, and I'm like, Lord, I'm just struggling today. Now, I, and that's why I was getting ready to preach. I was thinking, you know, I wasn't feeling like the, the man of power or nothing. I was like, God, I'm struggling today. Whew, help me get through today. I'm just wrestling on everything, you know, my health, everything. And, and so I started out, and then he came in, and, and, and just the presence of God that I'd grown used to, he sat there and wept the whole time. And I'm like, what's going on? You know, and I, I read something that have nothing to do with anything. You know, Jesus talked to Zacchaeus, and he started bawling. He's like, well, he's not a short man, so I don't know what that has to do with it. You know? But maybe it ain't about your performance. Maybe it's about his spirit has to be in charge. 
And somewhere we got to get back into things that were because here's what will happen. As the Spirit goes, other things will begin to produce. And when we pray, we don't pray, God, let, let your kingdom come from earth or from heaven on earth because we already want it here on earth. It's like, God, let your kingdom come. And guess what? As his kingdom comes, it comes. As it comes, it comes. We, we've got probably about four new families that are farther along than anything we've had out there. And they're excited. And there's something in them where they're ready to move. And that all happened in it, nothing. I mean, no time flat. It just began to happen. Why? Well, because sometimes we were there just with one or two other couples. Jackie playing the guitar. <laughs> Having a Bible study. There's times we showed up and say, sorry, bingo kicked you out this week. And I'm like, what? Bingo? It's like, bingo. You know, not sure. That, well, I better not get into the devil and bingo. I'll let that one slide. But anyways, he's used that bingo a couple times. And uh, the last time we just had it at our house, and so we had a house just packed full of people. We got in our house, and the presence of God just showed up, and people just relaxed in his presence. We had some new ones there and said, this has been the best time I've had in God's word for years. This is amazing. You know, here, here's the thing. There's a spiritual battle. It's real. The enemy will use things to distract. He'll use things that, that will deceive us even at times. And the last one is that he'll use discouragement. There's three Ds. Deception, dis- distraction, and discouragement. But sometimes we get tired of the, propos- the process. Well, God, I've been waiting. And it's not happening. Lord, I know you put it in me to do this and have this or have this calling, but I'm not getting it. I have a calling to preach, but I know Glenn's old, but he just ain't dying yet. Sorry, Glenn. He starts getting better last week, and for a while there I had hope, but now I'm starting to think it's going to be a while. Oh, thank you. I've been wanting to play guitar, but John just keeps hanging in there every year. <laughs> I'm waiting for my chance. Oh, man, how weird we get. How weird we get. You know what? There's opportunities everywhere to proclaim Christ. Get over your little narrow-mindedness and step into him. But what happens is sometimes in that process, God does have us wait for a reason, and sometimes it's because there's some things in us that God has to change. Sometimes we're trying to do something, and if we're not careful, here's what I see happen, is that if we're not patient with God and allow Him His process. You know, since we've been here, I've watched several people here go through their process. And I'm not going to embarrass anybody, because I'll talk about John, and John don't get embarrassed. I've watched John in the good, the bad, and the ugly. But I've watched him grow, and he's my brother. He's not my brother because he plays guitar. He's my brother because he's my brother. And I've watched him in times where I was like, if John could not be any wronger than he is now. But God never left him. In fact, God just said, hey, you're, you're not going nowhere. You're going to get through it. And I've watched him just touch God again and again. And if we're not careful, we do like Moses and the children of Israel when Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments. 
is we get tired of waiting, is I'm going to build my own God. You know what a golden calf is? A golden calf was all the things they thought most precious to them. And they put them together and they let the things they thought were important be God instead of God. Sometimes like, well, I never make a golden calf and bow down to it. I'll tell you what, Christians all the time find something and they put that one thing and they begin to say, well, what's most important to me is that I can play. I don't know why I'm picking on you, John. I can play my guitar. That's the most important thing in the world to me. And God says, oh, really? I think when we, do, when we begin to do that, God says, this is a great opportunity for them to grow. And God will say, give me your guitar. Except we'll blame someone else. I did take a man's tambourine once, and it was God. <laughs> it was God. It was. It was, wasn't it, Glenn? Glenn has seen that, that it was an out-of-control tambourine. It hit people. It was bad. And when I took it away, the guy said, his, his name was, was Jim, and he said, I am Jim the prophet. And I said, you're a little odd, Jim. And that was how we first met. And I took his tambourine, he almost fell apart. He vowed, I mean, I've never seen, it, it's an addiction or something. It's just one of them bad ones. You know, and he, he about, I mean, he, he, he was a Vietnam veteran guy. I think he had too many drugs back then too. But anyways, I had to have a sit down with him and he fell apart. And then finally I asked him, I said, how many friends do you have, Jim? Well, I said, no, friends that you can talk to, you can just go to their house, you can hang out. Well, when I go up, I say, yeah, I know you like to blow your horn, you know, but do you have friends? No, I don't. I said, I think God brought you to this church because you need some real friends. And you need to grow up. I said, because honestly, I said, you're a little flaky. And you're kind of goofy sometimes. And I said, I think God wants to bring you part of his body and make you into, into strength. And you're not right now, but he wants to do it. And so he went and he told, he had teenage kids. He's when he went home and he told his kids, he said, we're leaving the church because Damon's mean to me. He took my tambourine. <laughs> yeah, that tambourine was like a fetish. He never did get it back. He'll never find it where we put it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no one will ever find that one again. But anyways, he, <laughs> I have a tampering problem too. I don't know what it is. But uh, yeah, he, he will. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. It's a distraction I have. But uh, anyways, he, uh, he told his kids this and he said, Go, I want you to pray tonight and at breakfast we're going to talk about it. His two teenage kids and his teenage kids come the next morning. He said, all right, I want to hear what you got to say because I think we're leaving the church. And they're like, Dad, this is the first church that's ever told you the truth, and I think they care about you. And I think you need to listen to them, and we need to stay right where we're at. And, and so he came back to me, and he looked like he lost his last friend. And he told me. He barely got the words out. You know, he, he was choking on them as they came out. You know what happened is he went on to have friends. He got to be something besides, and, if, and during that period, I also told him, you're not prophesying for a while. He's like, what? I said, well, you get up there and you, 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 know, you rattle your thing and jump around and uh, do a little hooping and hollering and then you, your, your prophetic word is Jesus loves you. And then that's really it. But you, you got a problem with the stage too. I said, you need to let it die for a while and just be a child. He told that to his kids too and his kids are like, yes, dad. Yes. I think that tambourine bothered them too. They just were afraid to say it. 
But here's the truth, is that man came through there a different man within a year. He began to have real relationships. They had people to their house. His wife had so much hospitality. They were just great people. His kids were good kids. They come talk to any adult. They, they had some things going on. But the truth was, is that they never could really come into a place of strength in their life because something was in the way. He began to worship what was most important to him instead of what's the most important to God's. And when you do that, you lose ground every time. Why? Because this is how, listen, we need to get so sharp that when things happen, we recognize that's the enemy working and we begin to come against it in the name of Jesus and we begin to pray or fast or do what we need to do and begin to fight the battle instead of just let it go on and say, oh, they're just a big baby. Hey, that's part of the enemy too because now you become part of the accuser of the brotherhood. Instead, you should be in a place of prayer saying, God, don't let things be destroyed in this deal. Don't let things be divided in this deal. I come against it in Jesus' name and take it by the horns like you're supposed to because it always comes back so worse down the road than it ever was before. And, it's, and it gets to be when, when you begin to get distracted and a deception works together and people do things like, well, that says the Lord, you know, he just told me we could serve God all on our own. Just me and my wife. Poor wife. Man, if you want hope for your husband, get him in church. <laughs> you know, don't let him sit out there by himself. That ain't God. Well, Jesus says, I died for my church, for my bride. And don't get in a place where you start neglecting getting together. Why? Because God knows when you get together, some people are going to irritate other people. Praise God. Some people need to be irritated. That's one of my gifts. <laughs> I can irritate anyone at will. Right, Jackie? Jackie's like, oh, he can. Jackie's a strong woman. She just knows how to even deflect him now. I can bother anybody. I could be nice to someone and make them angry. I've got that gift. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes when we get off track, God gets us irritated and he does it on purpose. He's like, because I'm not going to let you sit in there being a bump on a log thinking this is what Christianity is about. Somewhere you're going to get into battle and you're going to start winning battles. Your kids' the futures depend on it. And I'm your God and I love you as a father and I'm not going to allow that to happen. And I'm going to let irritating things come and rub you and rub you and rub you until you get so tired you get down on your knees and say, I come to you and I surrender Jesus. That's good preaching. I don't know about anybody else. I, I like that. God's good at that. He's wonderful. He knows what it takes. He knows what it takes to, to wear us out. Sometimes I think that's why God put us up in, in North Dakota is because sometimes I can be so strong-willed, God's got to wear me out till I'm almost nothing. And then when he does it, I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm ready to listen. <sighs> Amen. We've got to be able to spot an attack of the enemy. We've got to quit wrestling stuff in our flesh and blood. It doesn't work. I want to read Jude chapter, or well, it's Jude 1, uh, 20 to 23. Well, are, when you're in a place of a battle, it doesn't matter. I want to kind of point it out before I read this. It doesn't matter if you are in the worst battle of your life, you can be winning things in the kingdom because that's what you're meant to do. 
In fact, in some of the fiercest battles you'll be in, you'll see more things won in that battle. So understand, it's not always about whether you're in, in the middle of a battle or not, but there's a war going on, and we have to be ready in season and out of season in the middle of that deal. Uh, Jude, chapter, Jude 1 and 20, it says, But you, beloved, building yourself in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and having, and on some having compassion, making a difference, but others saved with fear, pulling them from the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. I love this because this is a, this, these verses here actually lay out what it is to walk in the Spirit. It's not just verses just randomly thrown together. And in there, it starts off, and it, it just begins to say, hey, when you're going along, build yourself up in your Holy pray in the Holy Spirit, walk in the love of God, look for the mercy of God. Look for the mercy of God. You know, are you, are you, are you watching for those things? Are, are those things in your life? And it says, and on some have compassion, making a distinct, distinction. In, um, in, uh, where it says making a distinction, what that means is making a difference. When you go through life, somewhere you should be making a difference. And it should be a difference for the kingdom. I'm making a difference. In the middle of me, going through a hardship and doing everything else, are you still making a difference? Are you making an impact? Is there something going on? Because when God's with you, what can be against you? The problem is, is that we get in battles and we get beat up and we start fighting the wrong people and we wonder why we lose. In the middle of some of those days, uh, I tell you what, uh, and I, I joked about that last time, I was serving Jesus on narcotics for about two, three months after I busted my leg up. And uh, I remember sitting in that chair because I, I couldn't do nothing. My, my back was black and blue. I was so beat up and hurting and I sit in my chair and say, Lord, I know you're with me, but I'm dying here. You, you know, you got to do something. You got to do something. You know, this is, and I was like, because I just talk to the Lord. And we get high, he kind of talk goofy to you. And, you know, I just talking kind of stupid to him. And I, I was like, you know, you're not, I don't feel you're here right now. Where are you at? You know, I feel high right now, and I feel pain right now. But where are you moving? You know, and I said, God, do something. Do something. And a little while later, I had a guy come knocking on my door half drunk, and he came to me, and he sat down on a stool beside me, and I talked to him for a while, and I prayed, and I led him to the Lord. He came to me. Why? Because in the middle of the battle somewhere, we're still supposed to be having those things of God on the inside of us, and if you're in the middle of a battle, and you don't have the love of Christ in you, and you ain't out about the kingdom, but you're following other things, then somewhere something's wrong. Because if I'm in the middle of battle, I can lose everything. And in that place, we were, we were wrestling with about everything we could. And we begin to question God. I, my first question was when I got hit by that thing and I was sitting in, a, in the hospital. I watched my leg go from nothing to about maybe that big around at my knee. And I said, Lord, did I do something wrong? Was I not listening when you talked to me? I mean, there's something you're just trying to get my And God's like, no. No, I'm, I'm protecting you. I'm with you. And he says, and don't worry. He said, relax. It's going to be okay. You don't need to run right now anyways. It's going to be okay. And I'm like, but God, are you sure I didn't do something wrong? I was thinking through my mind, was I mean to Jackie last week? Was I doing something wrong? You know, was I, was I, you start going through your thing. How do you say, no. We all go through valleys. It's a part of life. We go through hard times. We go through good times. 
That's a part of life. And it's a hard part of life. God, why did this happen? Sometimes it's happened because it's a part of life. But in the middle of it, God should still be there. In the middle of it, people still kept on coming to know the Lord. In the middle of it, doors still open. In the middle of it, Jackie's had jobs where she's had relationships with different ladies. She's ready to do a ladies' retreat at the end of this month. Be praying about that. But there's so many who are excited about it already that she could really run out of room fast. Because there's ladies who are starting to come in who are like, I've been waiting for something like this. Can I make copies of your flyers? Because I got five people coming now. I'm taking some out to my family. We need something like this. I mean, it's just kind of catching on. Jackie ain't having to push nothing. It's just running. You know, she's praying. Ones are praying about it. But in the middle of hard and dry times, is God still there? Is he still moving? See, God will lead you on a path, and I'm not saying God won't lead you on paths on different things, but I'm telling you that if you're walking with God, it should look a lot like these verses up here. Everywhere you go, you should make a difference. Everywhere you go, you should make a difference. Every place I've ever worked, probably because I get to be kind of a a corn dog sometimes. I like having fun at work um, with everything. But everywhere I go, when when I work somewhere, when I go back, people miss me. I, I, I wish you were here last week because you could have handled that really good. That would have been fun. I'm like, yeah, I know. But somewhere, we're, we're the salt of the earth. We should make a difference with everything we touch. And then it says another one, it says, and some with fear, we should be pulling people out of the fire. Here's what happens when we know who we are in Christ and we know who the enemy is. We know how to go in and pull people out of the fire. People are ready to die. This is their last chance. They're on their way to hell. This is their last chance. But a methodic and they're on their last high. And you go in and you grab a hold of them and say, it's time. Let me love you. Let me tell you there's a God who loves you. Let me, let me come in and begin to help you do things. Begin to do something like that. There's something about, every grew up there was a little Indian gal who did that to so many people. She would go in their house Sunday morning and they'd still, some of them would be still partying from Saturday night. She'd go in their house and she'd be pouring their beer down the drain. They'd be like, what? She'd be pouring and say, get ready, we're going to church. I'm drunk, it don't matter, we're going. And she dragged people half shot into church with her. But you know what she knew? She knew how to drag people, how to love people enough to drag them out of the fire. You know what would change in the body of Christ? is if everybody began to find people in the fire and begin to pull them out because pretty soon all those little distractions would disappear. God, I don't care who's preaching. I don't care who's singing. I don't care if we have, well, we have this or that program. I don't care if we have this going on. Here's what I do care about. I care about that you saved my friend today and you're a great God and you're a mighty God. He was on his way to hell and now he's going into glory with you. And that's what I'm excited about. See, those little things, what happens is, is we forget there's a war. We're supposed to be fighting it, not waiting on it. There's a battle going on with your neighbor, and your neighbor's dying. He's losing the fight every day. And if he died today, we'd have some neighbors that would go to hell. Those are the ones that we go and we put our arm around, and we begin to love them, we begin to reach into that fire and say, there's a better plan for you. God has something better for you. Encourage them, love them, begin to bring them in. The love of Christ will compel anybody.
But instead of that, we want to worry about things that are ridiculous. Well, I'm irritated because I'm consumed with this person at work who gets on my nerve all the time. That dirty, rotten scoundrel. Don't they know they shouldn't touch the Lord's anointed? Well, if you're anointed, go and get someone out of the fire. Amen, Pastor. Yes. There was nobody on that one. You know. <laughs> if you're anointed, then begin to reach out and begin to do it. Because the battle is about what? Souls. The battle is about your soul. The battle is about the soul of your family. The battle is about the soul of your friends. The battle is about all of it. You know, we start that place as we begin to connect into God and say, God, how do I do this? What do I do? How do I win them? How am I part of that? See, God is looking for people who will stand up and do something. And I, 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 there's something about this that I, when I was getting this message ready where I talked to Glenn about this. I said, there's something about this, Glenn, that, I, that somewhere God's bringing a shift and he's bringing it into the kingdom as a whole, but I think he's going to bring it here is where there's a shift where we need to start stepping into a, a deeper place in God and start beginning to reach out and do the things we're supposed to do outward instead of looking inward all the time. When people, you know what happens when people look inward all the time? Offenses, complaints. When you look outward, you don't have it. You know how many complaints I have about the people in our church right now? None. I'm too excited about the new ones coming in. I think it's awesome. In, the, in that college group we had last Wednesday, Jackie stepped outside because she got a call from Christian. And, and uh, we have the cafeteria to ourselves. And she stepped outside and she said, Christian, I can't talk to you right now. We're in the middle of Bible study. I'll call you back after a bit. And there was a student who was walking past and he said, you're having what? And Jackie said, Bible study, go on in. He's like, okay. So we just kind of came on in. He had a great time, man. He was in there and... Uh, I tell you what, uh, I know I've met him before, too. I've talked to him. I just, but Actually, I was on the phone, and I said, Christian, we're having Bible study. And he said, Bible study? <laughs> Bible study? So then I told him to come in, and he came right in. Man, he had an awesome time. Because he, he got surrounded by people who began to love the idea of what church is, and something began to, to work. See, those are the things that we should be excited about. Amen? Those are the things that we should be talking about. But the truth is, is that if we, if we the, when we begin to get in the battle, we will have victory in Christ if we're fighting the battle. What happens is too many times, if we're not engaged in battle, all we have to do is talk about his others. Amen, Pastor. And what they should be doing, I think that Caleb should be doing a better job at what he's doing. That's what I think. I would get that Joshua under control, get him more spiritual. Joshua was giving me the evil eye back there. <laughs> Joshua was talk about my dad, not me. <laughs> you know what? If them people there would just control their kid, oh, I want to sit by them again next Sunday. Oh, if Glenn would just learn how to land a plane some days. <laughs> no one ever says that. Not to me, anyways. <laughs> you know? Oh, if that worship team can just not play that one song. I just really don't like that song. Oh, if we would get in the battle and we would get caught up in the reason we're here. Everyone is here in Kirksville because in Kirksville, you have a battle to fight. 
And that battle has to do with kingdom and eternity, not about what happens in this church building. Amen? This kingdom, this battle is about so many things, but it's not about those things that we've made them. And what happens is, is that if we need to get in a place where we begin to understand who we are in Christ and what we're supposed to be doing, and then at the same time, we need to understand how to identify the enemy, and every time we get off base, we need to stop ourselves and say, I'm not doing it. Well, I like this person's style. I don't like the other style. Heaven does not have the word style in a banner anywhere, I'm sure. It just has obedient and not obedient. Those who, and here's the thing, the, the Bible says if we're, that if we are in his word, we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. I'll tell you what, when we get in his word, and his word says about who we are and what we're supposed to do, everything else will get set free. Everything will get set free. The more and more I see that we're doing things, the more and more Jackie and me are getting healthier, we're getting better, things are getting stronger, things are, are starting to fall into place. But it's as we're stepping out. And here's the thing. We ain't got nothing to step out in sometimes. We're so tired. I heard Glenn talk about tired. I don't know if I'll make it when I get Glenn's age. <laughs> Is that okay? <laughs> it's debatable. Yeah, I know it. So, we're, so instead of reaching out to one and trying to keep up, we're reaching out to three different spots. And someone said, that's a lot of work. I said, it does sound that way, doesn't it? Yeah, and there'll be a couple more coming later. I'm just, I'm avoiding that. You ever do that? I know it's true, but I will avoid that. Because you begin to think, well, I can't do that. I can't do that. Well, maybe it ain't you. Maybe it's part of the spiritual battle, not the physical. You know what happens when we go? We got all the energy we need. The next day, are we tired? Oh, yeah. But we don't die. We make it. We live. We go on another day. The next day when I'm tired during that day, I'm not sitting there falling apart. I'm like, thank you, thank you, Jesus, for saving my nephew, that he's starting to serve you now and bring his family. You know, thank you, Lord, that you brought this guy in out of nowhere and he came and sat here and he got saved. Thank you, Lord, that you're bringing in this one and that one that I didn't even know before, but you're bringing him in and it's just like you're doing it. He's appointing him. These things are beginning to happen because he's God, not because of something we're doing. All we're doing is what we're supposed to do. That's it. We're going to close here in a second. You know, as we do, I just want to challenge ones as we go home, begin to get with God. Begin to ask Him what you're really here for. Why are you here? I'm going to tell you right now, no, no one is here for any position or place, them are just things that happen and don't different times. Are you in this battle? Are you really fighting the battle? Or are you fighting a battle that's not the battle and you're losing? Are you here to make a difference? Are you here to pull those out of the fire with fear? Or are you here for something else? Because I'm going to tell you, Glenn ain't dying right away. Whoever's thinking about preaching, he'll be alive for a while. You might as well get a hold of the Son of God thing, amen? <laughs> Not today, anyways. <laughs> Let's all bow our heads this morning. Lord, I just, I thank you for today.
Holy Spirit, I pray that you come and you begin to speak to our hearts. Now, some of the things today, there's some things that you're saying and I, I, can, I can hear an urgency in your voice because you want us to have victory. I can hear urgency in your voice because you want us to be blessed and walk in this place and begin to be the church inside this church and outside this church and in the community. There's something about it that, that you're wanting to move and open doors. And God, I just pray that you begin to, to bring us alive into you deeper. Lord, show us what it is to war in the flesh, not in the flesh, but in the spirit. God, show us how to get out of things of the flesh. Get us out of accusations. Get us out of, out of the talking about others. Get us into the place where we walk in the love of God, where we begin to reach out to those who need it. We begin to build up and encourage those who need it. Lord, time is short, Lord God. Begin to raise your church up to be what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be your bride. And when people come into the middle of your body, that something grips their heart because they see the love of God. They see the peace of God. They see the people of God who are working together for your kingdom, not for some church building, not for some activity, but your kingdom. God, I pray that you be, this week you put people on our hearts that need you. Maybe you want us to be kind to them. Maybe you want us to bless them. Maybe you want us to encourage them. Maybe you want us to sit down and talk to them about the Lord and something better. God, lead and guide us. Lord, bring us into this spiritual battle that we might win this battle. God, we don't want to win a battle and lose a battle every day. We want to win them all. We want to win them with you. And Lord, I pray you just go with us this week. Lord, bless every person here. Bless everyone who's wrestling, God. Lord, ones who are here or not here, Lord, just, just help them come into that place of that spiritual presence, of your presence, Lord. Let them begin to come into that place and all those things fall on the ground and let them see the reality of the kingdom of God. And Lord, we pray that and we believe that in Jesus' name. Amen.